0: Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Tuesday, August 15th. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Got Matt Norlander with me in significant news. Late Monday night in the world of college basketball. Marvin Bagley, the best high school prospect in the whole wide world. Uh, verbally committed to Duke and confirmed for the first time what we at CBS Sports had reported more than a month ago, uh, which is that he will attempt to graduate, early reclassify, and play college basketball this season. And he might. I hope he does. But I saw a whole bunch of tweets late Monday night, even from you know college basketball writers who should theoretically know better, uh, that read, quote, Marvin Bagley will play at Duke this season. And that's just not an accurate way to put it. Marvin Bagley is planning to play at Duke this season, but we're still a ways from him being certified for freshman eligibility. So, uh, before we talk, Norlander, about Marvin Bagley as a player, a prospect, and what this means for Duke and college basketball in general, let's start there. I know you've written about this multiple times. Can you explain what's next for Marvin Bagley in terms of what it's going to take for him to actually play college basketball this season?
1: Yes. Okay, so before we get to all the hullabaloo about Bagley actually being on the floor, we need to deal with the reality that as of right now, he has not been cleared to play college basketball in 2017-2018. There are two elements he must now go through next, the academic issues and the uh, amateurism issues. So academically speaking, if you're asking yourself, how could a player that was supposed to be a senior in high school and should basically be getting ready to start his senior year just decide, hey, I want to go play for Duke now instead. I understand that's uh, an obvious and reasonable question to be asking. With Bagley, he's been to three high schools in three years, one of which is named Hillcrest Prep that he went to for just a few months. That school is not considered a legitimate high school uh, by really any practical means, and most importantly and specifically in regard to the NCAA, when it comes to its core courses and those courses failing to meet the standards the NCAA has set, terms of you being eligible. Bagley attended that school, then went off the map, so to speak, and was essentially, it's believed, homeschooled for a couple of months. And so because of this, Bagley got behind the track. He's been working toward graduating in the class of 2017 by taking online courses, most specifically over the past few months, taking these core courses that he needs in order to be uh, cleared and deemed a 2017 prospect. So, what's going to happen next, even though Bagley went on national television said, I'm going to Duke, I'm going to forego my senior season, which sounded weird for a prospect to say. <laughs> like, I almost wonder if he's going to be the first of many that try and do this, although I wouldn't advise that by and large because Bagley is physically ready for the NBA right now. What will happen next is Bagley will have to file a transcript. It's been reported, and it was reported at the end of July that Bagley filed his paperwork with the NCAA. That might be a half-truth, because you don't file all of your paperwork and apply for reclassification until you send in a transcript. I was told by a source last week that Bagley still had one core course to complete. If, in fact, that is true, then he hasn't filed his transcript, and he has not totally filed his paperwork, the NCAA has not begun to review his case. When he does file his transcript, the NCAA will look to make sure that he has a 2.3 GPA, that all of the core courses he has on his transcript meet the standards the NCAA has set. If that happens, and by the way, I can't underscore enough that what he is doing is not normal, it's not regular, and he has taken on a big academic load in a short amount of time, so there's, it's fair to give this a little bit of skepticism as to if he will be cleared. Yes, there's obviously a fair chance that he will, but let's just address this in the real and in the now of what he's facing. If that happens, then yes, he could be he could be fully cleared. The other two options from an academic standpoint are he could be deemed an academic redshirt. If that happens, can't play for Duke to start the season, but he could practice. He can also fight that decision and, and basically try and win it with a waiver. Sometimes waivers do win out on that. Oftentimes they don't. The other option is he's ruled a non-qualifier in which he would not even be awarded or recognized as a scholarship player for Duke that's not seen as a likely option so that's what's coming next academically speaking let's keep in mind that Duke starts its classes on August 28th that's less than two weeks from when we are recording this podcast this will have to be a pretty aggressive process from the time Bagley submits his uh, transcript to the time that he is notified of it of it basically passing uh, is a 10-day period I was told the NCAA will obviously you know try and uh, look into that as fast as possible and get him a decision as quickly as possible. The other aspect, and I'll kind of toss this over to you that you, if you want to uh, hit a GP, is the amateurism aspect purely because he is a high profile prospect, has been for a number of years. And with that, he will undergo an amateurism review to make sure that everything regarding him and his family's situation is on the up and up and he has not received any impermissible benefits that would uh, prohibit him from immediate eligibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, because he's been the consensus number one player in his class for as long as people have been ranking players in this class, um, he would have to go through an an amateurism uh, certification process, for lack of a better uh, phrase, um, no matter what. But the fact that he changed high schools multiple times, the fact that he changed grassroots basketball programs multiple times, the fact that he's a a kid who's from Arizona, went to high school in L.A., uh, once played for a summer program out of Nashville. Like, it's a whole bunch of red flags there. It doesn't mean that there's anything there to find, but, you know, there's just a lot of stuff out of the ordinary for, you know, for the way his his past few years have, have unfolded from a basketball perspective. So that will be looked into, and, and that could take time. Because the way these uh, – Investigation's the wrong word, but the way these, uh, let's just call it a review, these reviews sometimes unfold is, you know, the, the instantly could ask for anything that they deem necessary uh, to, to, to confirm that you haven't compromised your amateur status in any sort of significant way or at all. And that means they could ask for you know, credit card statements and bank account statements and uh, you know, uh, receipts for flights and you know, all, all sorts of stuff. And if you pause in any way and say, well, what do you need that for? We don't think you deserve to look at that. They just say, OK, well, let us know when you want to get it to us. And they'll just sit there and wait. Like I've heard I've had conversations with fathers, mothers, lawyers who have said the NCAA is taking too long. You gotta write about this. The NCAA is, they're dragging their feet. And now you know my kid or my client's not gonna be eligible to start the season. So then I talk to somebody at the NCAA and they say, we asked for X, Y, and Z you know, four weeks ago. We haven't heard back. When they provide us with the documents we've requested, then we'll continue with the process. But until then, like, this is on them. It's not on us. And so I'm not predicting that's what's going to happen here. I'm just saying that that is something that has happened before with high-profile prospects. And it it all just sort of leads to the the larger point we're trying to make. Um, Nothing is guaranteed yet. Uh, There's no guarantee that he'll be uh, cleared for freshman eligibility. And and even if he is, there's no guarantee that it'll be done by the start of this college basketball season. Because, again, the NCAA isn't even going to really start looking at any of this stuff thoroughly. Um, you know, until at, at least middle of August, because that's where we're at right now. And uh, of course, we start we start the games, you know, in early in early November. That's not too we're deep into the calendar. But to be clear, if somebody were to ask me, do I think Marvin Bagley's going to play for Duke this season? My answer is yes. I just sort of push back a little bit on the idea that he's definitely playing for Duke this year, because that's the way it was framed last night on television, and then throughout the night on Twitter. And that's just not a hundred percent. Uh, that's not an accurate way to,
1: I, I, yeah, I agree. And, um, yeah, I think because of the presentation of his commitment and it just, I don't know, it it almost just seemed like this was universally accepted that, you know, okay, he just changed his mind. He's going to play, uh, this season at Duke and, and here we go. Uh, he's, you know, at the top of these polls and here's how he changes everything for the draft and all that. Again, um, it's just not, It's not 100% yet. we just got to clear those bars first. And I think a little more context is deserved here for our listeners. Um, There's a lot of skepticism in college basketball circles over the idea that Marvin Bagley, with his uh, high school history, uh, should and would be able to reclassify to 2017, given what is on his transcript or maybe what isn't on his transcript. Um, I was told by uh, a coach at a certain school, I won't name the school, that uh, the Bagley camp Uh, you know, made connections and wanted to see if if that school might be interested. Um, And so that school looked into his academic situation, ran it up the flagpole with uh, higher powers that be that would have to determine if he could even get into the school. And they determined that it would be highly unlikely that Bagley uh, would uh, be able to qualify for 2017, 2018. And the issue kind of stopped and and died on the vine there. There are other coaches that believe, um, perhaps cynically and rightfully cynically, that there have been some. Some players in the past with Duke that normally might have had hit academic snags for clearance, but it just seemed to not happen with Duke. And so now they, they speak in terms of, listen, Bagley probably shouldn't be able to get on the floor for 2017, 2018, at least not a right way, but because it's Duke, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this happened. Um, you can call it perhaps a little bit of sour grapes, but again, these are also some of these guys that are talking and, t- and saying these things uh, don't really have that much invested in getting Bagley to begin with, so it's not as though uh, they feel as they've been burned by the situation. So keep that in mind as well. Duke has certainly operated from a position of power for a long time, and it has recruited Bagley for a good while on the hope and the promise that, hey, we've seen your situation. We think that we have the leverage to be able to get you on the floor in 2017, 2018, and we know that what that means for you and your family because you want to be able to be taken in the 2018 draft rather than have to wait to 2019. So all of these things play a factor as well when you consider what's happening right now with Bagley.
0: Yeah, I mean, there is that perception out there that among the reasons you pick Duke if you're Marvin Bagley, and let me back up first and make sure this is perfectly clear. There are so many obvious reasons to pick Duke if you're Marvin Bagley. A, you're probably going to be on the preseason number one team in the country. B, you're playing for the biggest brand in college basketball. C, you're playing for the best coach of all time, at least in my opinion. Like, you don't need extra reasons to go to Duke. But if the question is, is there a perception that um, another advantage to going to Duke is the NCAA won't mess with you if you're at Duke, go to USC and they might scrutinize you a little more than than um, than the other than than they, you know, they might scrutinize you to an extent that won't happen if you enroll at at Duke because the NCAA is not going to mess around with Duke. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying there are college basketball coaches who think that's true. And so uh, either way uh we'll see and I do think it's important to make this note um it does seem clear if, if it's if it's less than perfectly clear that he will actually be cleared to play for Duke this season what does seem perfectly clear is that he's going to be in the 2018 NBA draft because the NBA from the NBA's perspective they do not care if the NCAA accepts your transcript they do not care If you play college basketball, people think the one and done rule is you got to go play college basketball for a year. Not everybody, not you and I, but like there are people out there think, well, he's got to play. you know, no, you just have to graduate high school a year um, before, uh, you know, an NBA season. I believe the way it's technically put an NBA season has to has to come off the books between the time you graduate high school and the time you you were trying to enter a draft. So if Bagley is able to graduate, which literally everybody believes he's going to do here in the next few weeks, then it doesn't matter if the NCAA clears him. It doesn't matter if he ever plays at Duke. He'll still be in the 2018 NBA draft, uh, which means the 2018 NBA draft is going to be even deeper than we previously thought at the top. And it was already going to be uh, fairly deep at the top because of... Uh, Michael Porter, DeAndre Ayton, and if we're just focusing on college players, I think Muhammad Bamba as well. Let's talk about Bagley as a player. Um, He's obviously terrific. You and I have both seen him many, many times uh, for many, many years. Uh, What kind of impact, if he's playing at Duke this season, does he have? Is he a great prospect or is he a great player? Are we talking about a first-team All-American guy?
1: Uh, This... This is where things get Because that's not
0: always easy for even the number one pick in the draft to try to be. Like uh, you know, we. I I think sometimes we get that confused. Prospect and player. Just because he's the best prospect in the country doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a great player right from the start. I I personally think he's going to be a great player, not just a great prospect. But where are you at on that?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of interesting angles with. Bagley being on the roster and if he's on the floor, how that affects uh, what Duke is, how it will operate. Um, my first thought is, uh, you know, I'm of the uh, understanding that Mark Bolden was deciding whether or not to transfer last season. And if you had told him that Bagley was going to be able to be on the roster for Duke this season, I am inclined to believe that Bolden probably would have left. But he's on the roster. He was an underwhelming uh, player last season. Because remember, heading into last season, Bolden was projected as a top 20 NBA pick. And he didn't even average better than seven minutes per game. Um, struggled a lot on both ends of the floor. How much has he been able to grow? And how much will he have a role now? Because Bagley is such a better prospect and player. Wendell Carter, a five star, um, I think he's, I got to see how he operates in the Duke system. I, I tend to believe he's just a little more power forward than he is center. Uh, but obviously, you know, I, I think the anchor, if you want to call him that, on that front line uh, between those three big men. I find it really intriguing because Duke also has obviously Grayson Allen coming back. Uh, I think Trevon Duval is going to be a top three point guard in college basketball this season, or at least I thought I thought that. And I, I guess I still do. Um, you got so much talent. You're going to need a lot of touches. You know, who's going to lead the, the team in scoring? Will it be Allen? Will it be Bagley? I, I don't know. They've got a lot to work with there, and it's really interesting. Um, obviously, you just, you know, you try and, and you got to make it work. Remember a year ago, Duke was the consensus preseason number one team. If you had, and let's let's go to before Giles had the knee scope. Heading into that season, I liked Duke's roster last year at this time than versus this year. If I had to pick one or the other, even just knowing uh, that they could be all healthy and and eliminating what Duke became. Um, I like the idea of that roster more than the idea of this roster. If the margin is still, you know, not all that big GP Um, can Bagley be a first team all American. Obviously he can, but can Grayson? Yes. If Duvall is a top three point guard in America, he's obviously going to have a say as well. Um, But let's not forget that they're really young. Uh, If you're looking for, all right, Bagley's on the floor. What should we expect from him? I I would say here's here's what I think is safe when Jason Tatum was entering college and he had an NBA ready frame and an NBA ready game we expected Tatum to average north of 15 points probably be in a six to eight rebound range fairly solid defensively and knew that he'd get his shots that's basically what happened Tatum was a top six seven freshman in America last season Uh, he had a little bit of a stilted start but generally speaking I would say Tatum was just about what we thought he would be. Consider Bagley's a better prospect. If I would say if you want to count on Bagley being a notch above Tatum in terms of impact and statistics, I think that's a, a fair expectation, and it would be what I would lean to expect from him this season, in part because the group is so young and he's the most talented guy on the team. So Bagley averaging... 16 and a half and nine and three assists and a block and a half, I think, is relatively reasonable. The big question for me is, does Grayson uh, become the alpha because he's a senior or is Bagley because of what he can do as a big man, handles it well, passes it well? You know, which of those two guys, freshman versus senior, winds up being, quote, the guy? I think that's a, a very fascinating dynamic.
0: You know, I, I think just like we saw last year at Kansas, you know, it, 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 and I know Frank Mason was the national player of the year, but Josh Jackson was terrific. You know, like Josh Jackson averaged what last year?
1: He was, I I don't have it in front of me. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess. All you right. I'll right say, here. I got it right. Here. I was, I was, well, I was going to let me guess. Let guess, me guess. guess. I'll, okay. Okay. I'll say Jackson averaged uh, 15, 8.5, and, and 2.5. And
0: Okay, I didn't have it right here. I was lying, so let me look right now. Josh Jackson averaged 16 and 7.5. And 16.3, 7.4. Yeah. Okay. But Frank Mason averaged 21, and he was the Frank Mason player. was
1: clearly the best player on that team and the most valuable player, but Jackson was awesome. Yes.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if this is similar in the sense that I think Grayson Allen averages like 20 points per game. I mean, he's just freed up. With DeVall there, he doesn't have to be your primary ball handler anymore. He can just go do what he did as a sophomore, which is, hey, yo, just go put the ball in the basket. So I, I think that's what Grayson's going to be able to do. I think he'll be the leading scorer. And then I think uh, I, I think Bagley probably averages something like 16 and 10 and is awesome and is universally recognized as awesome. Grayson Allen, leading scorer, Marvin Bagley, most productive player in general, and and Duke is, is is very, very good. I, I think, uh, I don't think it's obvious, but I think if you told me to take last year's Duke roster or this year's Duke roster, I'd probably take this year's for two reasons. Even at this point last year, uh, we didn't have any idea what Harry Giles was going to be. Uh, we didn't think he was going to be as ineffective as he was, but like we still knew he was coming off knee surgery and wasn't playing yet and hadn't played a competitive basketball in years. And I think we were all optimistic, but we didn't know. Whereas we know what Bagley's going to be. I mean, he's ready to go right now. I I feel like you could put Bagley. Am I overstating this? I feel like you could put Bagley in an NBA game and he'd be ready to go.
1: I I mean, I had a coach recruiting him. Tell me that he would start for the Lakers right now. Yeah. Like I think,
0: I like, I think Bagley, you could put him on the court tonight and he's ready to go. We didn't know that last year at this time with Giles. And then they got a true point guard now. And I think that matters because everybody playing out of position, you know, once you once once you basically have to have, uh, you know, Gr- Grayson running your offense. Uh, it, that that it just it, it you don't get the best version of Grayson, you don't get the best version of your team. That was a problem all year long, and so um, uh, I, I think I would take this roster. Although, like, let's be clear, it's very very young. Teams like this do not typically yeah. win national championships. Yeah, you know, teams like this don't usually you know, teams built like Arizona. They're the ones that usually win the national championships. Like they've got elite level freshmen, but also accomplished experienced um, veterans who've been through it before. That's what Duke 2015 was. That's what Kentucky 2012 was. Um, That's what Arizona 2017, 18 is going to be. Duke has got basically Grayson Allen as a senior, Marquise Bolden as a sophomore and a bunch of new guys. I like it because I think you've got probably three lottery picks, maybe four first round picks. Um, you know if bolden can be a good role player coming off the bench grayson can get back to the all american version of himself as a sophomore and bagley's just awesome i do think duke should be the favorite but i also recognize that they're they're inexperienced you know they're they're relative to to what teams that usually do what we're asking them to do um, they, they, you know they, they, teams usually have a little more ba- roster balance than what this duke team's going to have and, um, and I don't think it's a no-brainer. Like, like, Arizona could be number one. Kansas could be number one. Michigan State could be number one. Like, I know there are people saying it's clear-cut. And I know that I have Duke number one, but I don't think it's clear-cut
1: at all. Yeah, you've got Duke number one. I would definitely have Arizona number one, even still. Uh, because Bagley's awesome. I'm not eliminating the possibility that Ayton becomes the number one pick in the 2018 draft. Uh, so Arizona could have the guy that winds up being the top prospect. Bagley could be too. two. Um, obviously Michael Porter could be it as well, but that's an interesting aspect. Alonzo Trier will be in the running for, uh, you know, uh, player of the year. In my opinion, Parker Jackson, right. is a veteran, uh, true point guard Duvall Duvall is a point guard, but I would not define him as a true point guard. I think he's going to be more of a point guard than like, like Frank Jackson was never a point guard. He was like a true combo. Duvall is going to help them because I think he will be able to run the offense. He's still going to want to get his, I think, but with Arizona's combination of incoming awesome talent and returning terrific talent, I, I definitely have Arizona number one. I think I would still have Michigan State number two and then Duke three because even though Duke's talent is so good, I barely even qualify Marquise bolden as like a returning player of value just because I saw what he did and did not do last year, how often he wasn't on the floor, how lost he was on defense. You only have Grayson Allen, and while he can be really, really good, we cannot dismiss the fact that Allen was mercurial at best last All season. Cookies, little cuckoo. I know. So let's just keep that in mind as well here. So we've got a lot. We've got Vegas putting Duke at three to one to win the title. A lot of people moving Duke to the top of their rankings. And I'm just not sold on that yet. I've seen this too many times where you've had really, really good recruiting classes and these teams that are so freshman laden and freshman dominated simply fail to live up to that exact hype. Now, Occasionally it does. I understand that. Every now and then, like, you know, the Carl Anthony Towns Kentucky team was a great class and damn near ran the freaking table. No, but that, so,
0: that the, 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 the thing about that I, class, they I, had the I, Harrison twins back. They did. I, They had I, Willie Colley Stein back. Right.
1: Yeah, um, no, I, yeah. I yeah, absolutely, totally fair. So to expect a, a coach as good as Krzyzewski with a roster that has this much talent on it to, to be this number one team, I don't, I don't fight it. I, I just simply – Want to remind people, like Bagley doesn't to me doesn't change the fact of how good Arizona can be this season, and how like Michigan State's got the best sophomore class. Like Nick Ward was awesome. Cassius Winston is a fantastic point guard. They got two guys, Michigan State, in their front court who weren't available last year to injury that are going to play this year, and those are like old dudes, 22, 23 years old. I think that has an impact as well. And I believe GP, I think Duke plays Michigan State in the Champions Classic. So that's yes. an amazing headlining, big time, megawatt game. Uh, you know, four days after the season starts and will be a great litmus test early just to see uh, how good Duke's youth is versus how good Michigan State's combo of sophomores and seniors is. I think that'll be a lot of fun.
0: The other thing is that if we're talking about the a group of four at the top, like four teams we, like um, I, I think there's basically four teams that everybody sort of says, uh, it's one of these four. Uh, one of them is uh, an ACC team. One of them's a Pac-12 team. One of them's a Big Ten team, and one of them's a Big Twelve team. Like that's kind of fun too. That we could end up with the four best teams in the country, and then fifth. And I know this. Like there seems to be a gap, at least in raw talent, between those four and anybody else. I have Wichita State fifth, but if you just continue to carry it out, then it's the top five teams in the top twenty-five and one right now are from five different leagues. So That's pretty neat. I don't know. I, I don't.
1: You don't even and you don't even get to Kentucky at that point, which is always fun right. and interesting. Um, so there's yeah, there's plenty to be intrigued about with that overall um
0: i will say i heard last night when i updated the top 25 and one and had duke number one they said yeah duke was number one last last year how did that go i think people forget exactly how that went despite all the injuries and the tripping and the suspensions and coach k missing games they still entered selection sunday with eight top 25 RPI wins and 13 top 50 RPI wins, both numbers led the country. The idea that Duke was crazy disappointing last season just isn't an accurate portrayal of what happened. They were crazy injured last season. Then they got it rolling. Then they got into a road game in the NCAA tournament against South Carolina and got knocked out.
1: we hey, shout out to Devin Downey.
0: And shout out to while we're on the subject of South Carolina, if you don't mind, shout out to Devin Downey. Shout out to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. Effin Teagle. But, like, don't ever forget that Duke had to play a road game in the NCAA tournament. That's got more to do with Duke's season ending where it ended than anything else. Uh,
1: I think that. And you can go ahead
0: and tweet me right now that I'm a Duke apology, but that's just the truth. Duke was rolling toward the end of the season when they were completely healthy. They were rolling. And they entered selection Sunday with more top 25 wins and more top 50 wins than anybody in the country. They should have been a one seed.
1: Uh, I was fine with them at a two, but <laughs> either way, uh, they out. You know, I was there when they won the ACC tournament in Brooklyn, and that propelled them to a number two seed. And then, yes, they did get knocked out by South Carolina. A lot of it was injury laden. Although, Shishovski uh, also had surgery. Um, he, oh, by the way, by the way, real quick, he's had his second surgery of 2017. He, he, I don't even know if the drugs have worn off yet, and he's he's landed a five-star point guard for next year, and he got the number one player, regardless of class, within like a 36-hour span. So how about that run for Shashevsky? And actually, let me lay this out real quick. So I didn't even think about this, parish, but we're kind of, you know, a, a, a coach at a, I'll say a top 20 coach in college basketball uh, was talking to me and he said, how about what Shashevsky's done? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, he gets all these practices in because they're going on this oh, trip to the I Dominican heard, Republic. I heard
0: I heard that too.
1: He, goes, he gets <laughs> all these practices in to go to the Dominican Republic and then at the last minute announces he's going to have knee replacement surgery so they don't go but they get the practices in are they going to get punished of course they're not totally valid point totally valid and because, super savvy by Sheshkeski I did not even think about that aspect but like there are coaches that are like what the hell man if we tried to pull this like we probably would have would we would expire our, our 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 overseas trip and perhaps you know face some sort of blowback from the NCAA. I hadn't even considered that angle, here's but, it's, the, here, but it's true.
0: Because here's the thing about those overseas trips that the coaches won't say publicly. They don't want to take them. They don't, they don't like the games aren't that important to yeah. them. I've been on one when I was a beat writer at Memphis. It was a joke. They went to Cancun and they played like the same team three times and the team was like, looked like, like a div- division forty four players. I mean, it was just terrible. The games don't. For most of them, the games are completely irrelevant. They just want to get the practices in. Right. Practice, and yeah. so I heard that from multiple coaches as well. Like, look how look how uh, how sharp Shishovski is. You don't just decide, by the way, that you're going to have total re- knee replacement surgery like on the fly. Like that's not like he is that like he he's Bryce Harper and slipped on a base over the weekend. Like. This is something that's been in pain, and then they say, hey, you know, you might need to. Like, I remember when John Calipari got total knee replacement surgery. Or no, maybe it was hip replacement surgery. But I remember when like, somebody got got total knee replacement surgery. It was, like, something they talked about for four months. Like, you know, when the season's over, i might have to get this done. It's going to be. Like, that's something. I, I don't know the specifics, okay, but, like, that ain't something you just find out over the weekend. So, like, I bet you before they started their 10 practices, he knew he's probably going to have to have knee replacement Crazy, right? surgery, right? So you, just, you do the Tim practices, and you say, oh yeah, I got to have knee replacement surgery. We're just going to cancel our trip. And uh, everybody just says, oh, get well soon. And and you should say get well soon. Like get well soon, Coach K. But uh, it is funny, that certainly that raised some eyebrows in the coaching community. Like how does Duke get away with getting the free practices and they don't actually have to take the trip?
1: Yeah, he does that, gets the practices, has the surgery on Sunday morning. Uh, gets groggly. the ball Sunday night. Gets, or gets, yeah, Trey I mean, Jones. I mean, yeah, yeah Trey yeah. Jones. I'm sorry, Trey Jones, and then he gets Marvin Bagley on national television. And oh, here's the other thing. I, I you know, just I think Duke has been uh, on the minds of so many coaches. I had, how about Bagley taking out the Danny? Like, he's getting Danny Ferry's number, <laughs> right. like. That's like, what are we doing here? Like, Danny Ferry, wore Number Thirty Five, and this was like before Duke was, you know, universally hated. Maybe Danny Ferry was one of the very first ones. He was before my time, to be honest, in terms of watching college hoops. So I don't know if Danny Ferry uh, registered his Q rating was all that high up there back in the day. But obviously, he was a fantastic player under Szczechoski. But this this thing where like he's gonna wear he he's asked for. Duke to unretire Danny Ferry's number So he can wear it I thought that was also a little well, bit bizarre but was, it, was that like the clincher? Like was it was I, it like I, If I don't get to wear 35 I'm not coming there And they had to like call up Danny Ferry well, in terms Like of in the, the NBA offseason
0: In terms of the clincher I think it was always headed this way um, You know because I, I just remember when When I first heard That he might be reclassifying It surprised some of the staffs That were recruiting Bagley Like oh really? He's like trying to do that? It didn't surprise everybody, though. And my point is, like, the Duke guys weren't caught off guard. Like, they knew. They were very in tune with what was happening with Bagley all the way, all the way along, is my understanding. And so I, I felt like it was always going this way, whether you get Danny Ferry's number or not. But um, I did think it was weird because I'm watching the announcement. And, you know, as he's getting ready to, to announce where he's going to college, he says, I want to thank Coach K and Danny Ferry. And I'm like, why is he thinking Danny Fair? <laughs> like I, like I, I, like maybe if he said, I want to thank Coach K and Jeff Capel, <laughs> or Coach K and John Shire, but he said, I want to think Coach K and Danny Fair. I was like, what is he talking about? Is he going to think, like all the Duke greats? And then of course, you find out it's a uh, it's about the the number. But whatever. Like, listen, if you told me I got to unretire a number to get Marvin ba- Marvin Bagley for a year, then we're just unretiring the number. Doesn't matter to me.
1: I get you. It's just I have never seen that before. Yeah, but uh, um, but anyway. Yeah,
0: but anyway. Good for Duke, good for Marvin Bagley, and now let's uh, let's get him all cleared and ready to play because, you know, uh, you get some of this sentiment late last night. It's just from random people, but it's like, you know, another one and done, this is killing college basketball. I understand there are issues with the one and done, particularly from the academic perspective, but here's the truth. College basketball is more fun if we get to watch Marvin Bagley play it, even if it's only for a year. You know, you, you, you can be frustrated by... The, the fact that he won't be a, that he he won't be a real college student in the traditional sense and that he'll only be on campus for about, I mean, really, because he's the, one of the rare ones that won't do summer courses, uh, on, on, you know, in school. He'll be on campus for, uh, what is it, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. He'll be on campus seven, eight months. And you can be frustrated by that if you want to. Um and, and, and think that represents all of the wrong things. But from a purely um, – uh, from a, from the perspective of just enjoying college basketball as a as a viewer or as a writer, frankly, like having Mark and Bradley play is awesome. And so, like, I, I hope he's in uh, uniform uh, to open it up, and I hope to see him at the United Center for that Michigan State game because that'll be uh, – we'll have two guys playing in that game who we didn't think would be in college basketball this year. Miles Bridges. And Marvin Bagley so that's pretty good I don't like there's some problems with college basketball we've detailed them before I don't think that I don't think having Marvin Bagley in it is one of them
1: all right GP this was a good time a nice little early week podcast we pretty much hit on everything we need to right
0: I feel like we've we've let's go through the checklist we've talked about Marvin Bagley's uh, uh, uncertain future as it relates to the to, to being certified by the NCAA but both acknowledge that we think he will play for Duke and we're excited about him playing for Duke we've touched on um, that we do think he's going to be a terrific player, not just a great prospect. we touched on that he does project as uh, consensus top three or four pick in the NBA draft. I personally think
1: top overall.
0: We shouted out Devin Downer. We shouted out Chester, South Carolina. We shouted out Terry MF and Teagle. I don't know what else there is to do.
1: Head on out and check in next week.
0: I'm going to go take a nap. I'll see you later. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. Please do that. Uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we will – I'll be back next week. Till then, take care.